Well, good evening, folks, and again, it's good to see each one of you out this evening. And even though we've got uh, quite a few away, good to see all of you out, and uh, for those that are listening in as well. Please turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We're looking at a subject I've called the fall. The fall. Genesis chapter 3. We'll read the first 15 verses. So please bear with me as we go through those verses. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that on the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes will be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and was free to be desired, to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat. Give also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And we know that God will add a blessing to the reading of his own word. Let's pray and ask God's blessing upon the word this evening. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for the opportunity to open up thy word. And Father, virtually tonight we're going back to the beginning, and we do pray, Lord, that you would bless your word to us. Sometimes we need to look at the, the basics and the fundamentals. We do pray, Lord, that each and every one of us again might be built up in our most holy faith. Father, I do pray that you would take your servant, hide him behind the cross, let no man be seen, save Jesus only. But Father, make bare your arm and bless us from your word this evening, that as we would leave this place, we would say it was good to be here, for here we met with the Lord and was blessed. To this end, undertake. We'll be careful to give you the praise and the glory. 
in our Savior's precious and worthy name. Amen. Amen. Uh, over the last few months, in different messages, I've mentioned the fall. The fall. Uh, of course, I was referring to the fall of mankind. Remember, I spoke on Mephibosheth, who, when he was five years of age, was crippled by the fall. He fell out of his nurse's arms. I think it says something like this. And when his nurse took him up to flee, she ran hastily and he fell. So Mephibosheth fell and was crippled. Then we notice that the certain man who came from Jerusalem fell among thieves. And they left him half dead. And of course, a man from another country, a far country, bound him up, gave him wine and oil, took him to a place that looked after him, and he paid the price, a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then in Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, both fell at the apostles' feet because they lied and they tried to deceive and would not accept the word of God. So tonight, I would like to try and explain the original fall. Now I say the original fall, but before man fell, Lucifer, son of the morning, fell. Not the devil, not Satan. It was Lucifer who fell, who then became Satan, who then became the devil. Satan, which literally means accuser or adversary. Devil means spirit of evil, demonic, diabolical. And so that's what Lucifer became. So under the heading tonight of temptation, we will look at a few things. And we'll just, again, touch the surface of these things. And uh, hopefully we have a blessing out of it. So under the heading of temptation, the first thing we're going to look at is the tempter. The tempter. But let me make this very clear before we start. God is not the author of sin. Have you ever heard people asking questions, but uh, why did God invent sin? Why did God uh, bring about sin? Uh, why did God create sin? No, no, no. God is not the author of sin. Neither does he tempt any man to sin. You see, the devil tempts man to bring out the worst in them. God tests man to bring out the best in them. And there's a big difference. I've already mentioned that Lucifer fell. And that was sometime after Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So way back in some time in the past, God created the heavens and the earth. And it was after that that Lucifer fell. Now, Lucifer was a beautiful angel. Sometimes I try to imagine, do you, 
when you have those sleepless nights and you can't go to sleep and you try to imagine some of these things. As you know, the world has a picture of what Lucifer or Satan and the devil looks like. But Lucifer in the beginning was a beautiful angel when originally created. Please turn to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. I just want to mention this on the way through. Job 38. We'll not dwell on this particular passage, but I just want to highlight something to you. Job 38, and when you're reading it, please you know, go home and read verses 4 to 7. But I just want to highlight verse 7 to you. It says, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And so Job has been, this has been explained to Job. Maybe I'll read from verse 4 to verse 7 to give you the context of it. Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare, if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? So the Lord's explaining to Job, uh, to Job you know, who was there whenever I formed things? Who was there whenever I made things? Who was there whenever I created things? And then he says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. We mentioned that verse this morning in our other subject. So all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now please turn to Isaiah chapter 14. We're going to do a little bit of flicking through the Bibles this evening to see what the Word of God has to say to us. Isaiah chapter 14 and verses 12 through 17. And here we have a, a description of Lucifer. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet... Thy shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness, and the destroyed cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners? And so the devil has his day. It's coming. And so in Isaiah chapter 14, uh, Lucifer is called the son of the morning. Now, do you know what the son of the morning means? It is the bringer of light. The bringer of light. That's what his name means. That's what Lucifer, the son of the morning, means. The bringer of light. And of course, what is described in this passage is pride. What we see here is arrogance. And here we have the I wills of the tempter. 
we haven't got time to do justice to this, but in verse 13 it says, I will ascend into heaven. Oh, Lucifer had a thing about himself. He loved himself. She says, I will ascend into heaven. And then verse 13, I will exalt my throne. And verse 13, I will sit on the mount. And he had this wonderful picture of who he was and what he wanted to do. Then in verse 14, I will ascend above the heights. And verse 14, I will be like the Most High. I'm going to be God. The I wills of Lucifer. (laughs) But right after that, in verse 15, God said, Yet (laughs) thou shalt be brought down to hell. Simple as that. You're not going to go anywhere, Lucifer. You're not going to ascend into heaven. You're not going to exalt your throne. You're not going to sit on the mount. You're not going to go above the heights. You're not going to be like me, God says. Because you're going to be brought down to hell. Your days are numbered. Yes, folks, the devil, Satan, the original Lucifer son of the morning is going to have a great fall. I said to Vicky I wouldn't say this, but I will. Lucifer's going to have a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men will not put Satan together again. (laughs) Isn't that right? So he's going to have a great fall one of these days. He's already fallen. He fell into sin. He fell out of heaven. He was cast out, fell out of heaven. He fell out of favor with God. And he will fall into hell. So his days are numbered. Now please turn to Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. And we'll commence reading at verse 11. And it's a pretty long reading, so please bear with me. But here in Ezekiel 28 and verse 11, uh, he is likened unto the king of Tyre, or Tyrus, if you want. Now, Tyre was known for its sin. Uh, it was the center of religious idolatry. Uh, it was the center of sexual immorality. The prophets condemned Tyre. The prophets condemned the king of Tyre for their pride, their arrogance, and their greed. And in verse 11 of Ezekiel 28 says this, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum." full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Now, I want to just highlight this verse. Thou hast been in Eden, so it's definitely not the king. No king has been in Eden. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thy was created. That's not speaking about the king of Tyrus. This is a created person. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. 
Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the mist with thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the holy mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the mist of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. He must have been a beautiful creature. There's no doubt about it. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted uh, thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, they that, may, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled my sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to the ashes upon the earth in the sight of them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. Amen. This day is coming, Bernie. One of these days, the devil is going to get his due. And this is uh, not speaking about the king of Tyre. It is metamorphically speaking about him, but it's speaking about uh, the devil. It's speaking about Lucifer. It's speaking about the one we call Satan. And then verse 15 says, Till iniquity was found in thee. And then verse 16, Thou hast sinned. And because of his sin, he was cast out of heaven. Now he is now the prince of the power of the air. Let's not forget that. He's still very powerful. He's not all powerful, but he's still very powerful. And in saying all that, he has now found, we go back into Genesis chapter 3, he's now found a Satan. He was Lucifer. He was beautiful. He was the son of the morning. He was the bringer of light. But now in the garden, in Genesis chapter 3, he is a Satan. And Satan is the serpent, and the serpent is Satan, the old snake. Who's a seed? So that's the tempter. Now we look at the target. <laughs> the target. So what or who was the target? Well, it was the woman. And Satan was out to get into the mind of the woman. Now let's read a, a couple of portions of scripture. I'll just read it out to you if you like. But well, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 to 3 says this. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But, there's always a but, but I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And the old devil is dealing with subtlety even today. He's the prince of the power of the air. And he has cohorts. I don't know how many angels, but they're out there trying to get us to sin and do things that are against our God. 
Now, please turn to a portion of Scripture uh, which is not read in many churches in these days. Some churches in these days would say it's old-fashioned. Others would say it's, it's out of date. It's out of date. Hasn't kept up with the times. Have you heard those sayings? Hasn't kept up with the times. Other churches just ignore it all together. But folks, this is God's word. And this is what God exhorts us. And this is what God says about some of our, well, all of our lady folks. Please turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And we'll just read from verse 9 to verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter, and it's really only the last couple of verses that I want to highlight. But 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works let the women learn in silence with all subjection but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man but to be in silence for Adam was first formed then Eve and Adam was not deceived but the woman being deceived was in transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing, if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. And so it's just those last couple of verses I want to highlight. Adam was first formed, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived, being in transgression. And it's really a sad thing that some people blame our lady folks. Ought not to be. We treasure our lady folks. We love them to bits. And it was one of those things in the garden that each one of us would have failed, I believe. Paul is pointing out here that it was the woman who was deceived. She was in transgression. She was taken by the devil, Satan, the fallen beautiful angel who entered the serpent. Adam was not deceived. I think Adam did something worse. Adam disobeyed God. He was a partaker of the fruit knowing and willingly chose to disobey God. It's one thing when somebody's very clever and they can deceive you. And, and Eve was deceived. But Adam chose willingly to disobey God and his word, which is even worse. And because he disobeyed God, he was judged because of it. Now, please understand what I'm about to say. I had to laugh when I was going through this. <laughs> it's not a laughing matter. But <laughs> How come Eve was not startled or even curious when a snake walked up to her and started to talk. How come? 
These were very clever. Adam and Eve were very, very clever, educated, wise people. This was in the beginning of creation. This is when they were perfect in the garden. They were clever people, created in the image of God. No sin up to this time and point in time. Uh, no, no sin had entered into the world. Now, even birds talk today. Balaam's donkey talked. Yeah? Not right. It was a perfect world. Maybe. Could it be that God gave the animals the ability to talk in the very beginning of creation? Before the curse entered into the world. Eve was not surprised when the snake could talk. In fact, she held quite a long conversation with the snake, with the serpent. So there's no doubt that the target was the woman. The tempter was Lucifer, the devil, Satan. The target was the woman, and the devil was the tempter. Next, we look at the tactic. What tactic did he use? Or the method? he used first of all it looks like he waited for an opportunity now the devil will rarely tempt you as you sit there tonight listening to God's word but if you're on your own and you are reading something or if you are looking at something or if you are in the process of not having very much and there's an opportunity to take something the devil will be there to push you on the devil will be there to tempt you the devil tempts you to do what is wrong to do what is sinful but it looks like he waited for an opportunity to approach the woman maybe when she was on her own doesn't say that Adam was with her where was Adam? How big was this garden? Were they walking around the garden, maybe speaking to the different animals? Maybe Adam could see Eve from a distance. I thought nothing of it. Okay, she's talking to the snake. That's good. We don't know, do we? We don't know. It just didn't seem out of place. Now, be that as it may, because there are some things we really don't know, but we definitely know that the serpent, the snake, was used by the devil to confront Eve. And he was attacking her mind, questioning her memory and her mind. In chapter 3 and verse 1, it tells us that the serpent was more subtle. We often read it subtle. It was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. <clears throat> and as a young Christian I used to think, well surely a subtle way is a sin. It's cunningness and craftiness. I said, well this is before sin entered into the world. So as a young Christian, I wondered about that. Could there be subtlety? Uh, the word subtile is the old English word for subtlety. 
literally means cunning, crafty, artful. But as I checked further, and I looked into the Hebrew, it means gentle. It means delicate. It means dainty. It means fine. It means mild. So, of course, <laughs> the devil knew what he was doing. He didn't go to some arrogant big beast to tempt Eve. He went to the one that was delicate. He went to the one that was dainty and fine and mild. So that he knew what he was doing and he chose to use the serpent to attack Eve. And I believe the serpent gave all the permission to the devil to do this. Because the serpent was judged because of this. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. I'll read that to you again. Genesis 3 and verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thy go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And then he changes, and he starts to talk to Lucifer. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And so the devil, Lucifer, Satan, used the serpent to attack Eve. And the serpent was judged. And the devil was judged. So the tactic was to get the woman by herself, to use the serpent as a gentle, delicate beast, to approach her, and attack her mind in relation to God's word. You see, in chapter 3 and verse 1, the devil questions God's word. Chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said... And he's questioning. Ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden, of every tree of the garden. So he questions God's word. Then in verse 4, he denies God's word. And the servant said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So he denies God's word. In verse 5, he substituted God's word. For God doth know that in the days ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God. And he's substituting God's word. Word And all along, <coughs> excuse me, all along he undermines God's word. And he suggests that God is holding out on them. Which is attacking the goodness of God. Attacking the goodness of God. He suggests that God is holding out on them by not allowing them to go and partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the devil makes it sound so wonderful. Isn't that right? Even when he tempts us, it's so wonderful. Oh, it's not bad to go here. Think of all the people you'll meet. So wonderful. Look at verse 5. For God doth know that in the days you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open and you'll be as gods, knowing good and evil. And immediately, immediately after that, 
Verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So Adam came at one stage, sometime later, whenever she took of the tree. We don't know, maybe moments later, a little while later, but she was coerced into taking the fruit of the tree. The devil always makes sin sound wonderful. Be careful. Ye shall be as gods. <laughs> and right after that statement, she took and gave to her husband. So we have the tempter. We have the target. We have the tactic. Now we look at the tragedy. You know, Eve should not have given place to the devil. She should have heeded God's word. She was in a perfect environment. She had everything that anyone could ever need. There was no sickness. There was no greed. There was no want. No thorns, no thistles. But she disobeyed God's word. We can only wonder again where Adam was and what he was doing during the whole conversation. But verse 6 is a very interesting verse. Because I see several things here. Verse 6 again. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, let me break it up there. Good for food. The lust of the flesh. Pleasant to the eyes. The lust of the eyes. Desire to make one wise, the pride of life. And Eve succumbed to those temptations. Folks, sin has consequences. And it is far-reaching. As I said before, sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin has far-reaching Consequences, And this is exactly what happened in the garden. When Eve was deceived and she shared her sin with Adam and he chose to deliberately sin and his sin plunged the whole world into judgment. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. So that's the tempter, the target, the tactic, the tragedy. All under the heading of temptation. Now we look at the heading, condemnation, from verse 7 through to verse 19. And we will see that the condemnation was threefold, threefold. Internal, external, eternal. First of all, internal, the judgment, internal. Immediately, Adam and Eve went from life unto death. Verse 7 says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Made themselves aprons. They were ashamed. They had guilt. They had guilt. They tried to cover up their sin. How different it is today. When men and women have no shame. Men and women have no modesty. No fear of God. 
It's a reversal to what we see even with Adam and Eve in the garden. Standards in immorality today are worse than it's ever been. We haven't got time to read Romans chapter 1, but read it sometime. But it contains, in this passage, is a catalogue of sinfulness. But verse 32 in that chapter, Romans chapter 1, says this, Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do it. And now, 2,000 years after that was written, one would not like to imagine. One would not like to know the depths of sin that mankind has entered into. We only see the tip of the iceberg. And we don't watch it, but this group of people that walk through Sydney from time to time, that's only the tip of the iceberg. Immorality, sinfulness, nakedness, and they couldn't care less. No fear of God. Tip of the iceberg. And it's what goes on in secret and behind closed doors and what is done openly that God will judge. But folks, for us, <laughs> the word of God has this exhortation. Ephesians 5. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. It's a shame. Adam and Eve sinned. And in Genesis 2, 17 it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And they died. They died. They died internally. And then they tried to cover up their sin and their guilt. With a man-made solution, they sewed fig leaves together, which was nothing less than a, a crude attempt to hide their sin from God. And on top of that, when they heard the word of God, when they heard God in the midst of the garden, they hid themselves. The desire for fellowship with God had gone. They hid themselves in the trees. And God called out, Where art thou? Where art thou? What a travesty. From perfection to pollution. From innocence to to guilt, from life to death. Of course, they did not die outwardly. They died a long time later, but inwardly they died. Their spirit died. And we have a verse in Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 1, and you hath he quickened. You see, when Adam and Eve died, it was passed upon all men. And you and I, when we were born, we were dead. And the, God, the word of God says, and you have to quicken that is brought back to life who were dead. We were dead before we accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. And folks, today I just wonder how many people are relying on their coverings. The covering of pride. The covering of self-righteousness. The covering of good works, if you like. And the like. 
thinking and believing that these coverings will avail before a holy God. But of course, they are not acceptable before God. And many mainstream churches are guilty of leading people to hell. And if there's any ministers or any pastors of liberal churches out there listening to this, preach the word. Let people know they're on their way to a lost eternity. You're leading people to hell, telling them that good works will get you to heaven. No mention of being born again. No mention of salvation or repentance or inherited sin. No mention of judgment or being saved. What's going on? They are hiding in the morality of the world, in their own beliefs, thinking that they are acceptable before God. Get the fig leaves off, folks. Because the Lord's calling out, Where art thou? Where art thou? And folks, if there's some people listening into this message online, it's no accident. No coincidence with God. God makes no mistakes. And he wants you to know where you are today. And if you are relying on good works or infant baptism or being a good person or speaking in tongues and the like, all these things do not save a person. It is the shed blood of Christ that avails for us. It is a true belief in Christ that satisfies a holy God. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Why don't you say that to your folks in your parishes? And when we are saved, we have the imputed righteousness of Christ because our own righteousness is, is as filthy rags before God. Adam and Eve died internally Internal judgment, if you like. Then the external judgment, and the next two points are very, very short. The external starts with self-defense. The man blames the woman. Now, that hasn't changed. Not right, Olive. The man blames the woman. I know sometimes I blame the woman from time to time. The, the man blames the woman, and the woman blames the serpent. The woman blames the serpent. And, folks, the serpent was more likely a creature of brightness. But because it yielded to the devil, it was condemned to a lowly life of crawling in the dust and in the dirt. The woman's judgment involves conception, birth, and pain, and subjection to her husband. The man's judgment is that the ground is cursed for his sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till I return unto the ground. For dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Man and woman had everything going for them. They sinned and were judged accordingly. So we have internal judgment, external judgment, eternal judgment. In verse 15, we have the first gospel message in the Bible. It's the good news that the woman's seed 
our Lord Jesus Christ would ultimately defeat Satan and his seed. And folks, from this time in the garden, the old devil, Satan, and his seed has opposed the things of Christ. They tried to destroy the world. They tried to destroy his seed. We haven't got time to go into it all. But they have opposed Christ's seed right down through the Old Testament, right into the New Testament, when the Lord had to go down into Egypt to escape Herod's death penalty. And so Satan has tried his best. But his best is not good enough. Down through the years. And the climax will be, as it is recorded in Revelation 20 and verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the devil's eternal fate. And for us folks, we who are born again, we will live eternally with our Lord Jesus Christ. Now some of you might be saying, what about Adam and Eve? Well, God provided a covering for them, which meant that blood had to be shed, which of course is a picture of what would happen some 4,000 years later when Christ shed his blood for us and provided a covering of his righteousness for us so that we would be acceptable with the Lord. And only those who truly have trusted in our Lord Jesus Christ will spend eternity with him. Internal, external, eternal. I sincerely pray that if you're listening in today, you've never repented of your sin. But even today you might do so. Folks, time is short. Eternity is a long time. Let's pray. Our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, again we give thee thanks for thy word. We thank thee, Father, that you have provided us a way of escape, as it were, through our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee, Father, for the sacrifice on Calvary. As we heard this morning, you loved us so much that you sent your only son to die for us. Our Father, we do pray that you bless us as we close this meeting together in our Savior's precious and worthy name.